It was a dark and stormy night. Actually, it was a pretty mild mid-autumn afternoon when this fantastic adventure began. Welcome to the first episode of the Jack Entertainment Network's The Story of a Ghost Story Adding Value series. Now, what could a story about a ghost possibly do for me, you ask? Well, if you're an entrepreneur, business, organization, or serious hobbyist looking to create a ton of interesting and engaging content that runs the multimedia gamut, then this is the series you do not want to miss. So turn down the lights and join me for this not-so-spooky tale of adding value right after an extremely fun and rocking theme song. You might think I'm bastard, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm bastard, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. Welcome to part one of our Story of a Ghost Story podcast exclusive series from the Jack Entertainment Network. I'm Jim Baumgartner and I am on a quest to teach you how to add value to whatever you do in life, be it for business or pleasure, professionally, personally, spiritually, emotionally, through the power of imagination, through the need for organization, through the expression of creativity, through the inspiration that comes from mystery and magic. And of course, sprinkling in a whole lot of motivation because it gets tough sometimes, especially if you're flying solo. When you are, an ind- when you are working in a very independent manner and you've got to be the self-starter and you've got to be the one that at the end of the day, if it doesn't get done by you, it doesn't get done because there's no one else to do it listen I'm that guy I've done it for so long it's crazy I'm not saying that you know if you have the resources of a team available to you you are going to be in hog heaven because all the things that we're going to talk about here you can delegate out but if you're like me and a lot of folks nowadays you're you're kind of isolated in what you do where you can go resources available so on and so forth I'm going to show you how I've been able to do it for a very long time when it comes to projects from either the written word the spoken word television programs online videos and again it's a multimedia gambit or gamut as well as a, a merchandise machine that you can do yourself the days of excessive costs long gone i mean you can do things at home now that 15 years ago you never would have dreamed possible I mean, seriously, but now it can be done. And that's what this is about. It's kind of looking back at a project and a program that I created that wound up being and becoming a brand that still has staying, that's had staying power to this day, even without using it or doing anything with it publicly. I mean, the brand was so strong that here in this local market where I'm at, where it was broadcast on television and a couple of events were held in a very short amount of time, okay? We're not talking about a long-running series here. But it worked. And so in the process of working on my desire to talk to the world and add something to the human equation and conversation that is of a positive nature to help folks and do solutions versus problems in my perception and focus and hopefully yours as well, that, you know, those things that were done then ring so true now. And again, through self 
inspection and reflection, I'm able to see through you know the the view, the rear view mirror and window that is 2020 vision and hindsight. Um, wow, I tell you, the things that were created back then were great. I, I mean, and again, this is not to brag or boast. That's not my point here. My point is that I, once upon a time ago, was on a mission to create this series that goes beyond just the one. And that's really the whole point. So, what are we talking about here? Okay, in 2008, I created a program called Case Files of the Ozarks Ghost Research Society. Seems pretty clear-cut, huh? Sounds like a show about ghost hunters. And it was. But there was much more to it, and that was by design. I didn't get the opportunity to take it as far as I wanted to go for a lot of different reasons. And in this series, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the highs. We're going to talk about the lows. We're going to talk about the successes. We're going to talk about the things that didn't work. And we're going to talk about the things that I'm doing right now in revisiting that program 14 years later and why I'm doing it. One of the main reasons that I'm doing it is in doing so, I can prove to you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the methods that I'm talking about in utilizing imagination, organization, creativity, mystery, magic, and motivation for your personal and professional benefit work. And they're doable. And you, if you're standing there by yourself, you can do it too, by yourself. But if you have a team that you lead, you can work with them to do some amazing things. And that, my friends, is really my purpose and goal in doing this podcast. Now, going back to the series. Now, the name of the, and the title of the series is called Story of a Ghost Story. And uh, that's what it is. It's the story of that ghost story or ghost stories that we told back then with the case files of the Ozarks Ghost Research Society. That's a mouthful, so it's been shortened to Case Files of the Ogres. And that right there is what led to my Mickey Mouse moment. And I get to share all of that with you. So what's going to happen over the 12 parts of this series is tonight we're going to, or today, or whenever you happen to be listening, what we're going to do is I want to introduce you to all of the elements, tell you the backstory of where we started on these things and how they actually apply perfectly into what I've already, what I've mapped out now. And I didn't realize that was coming, but it did because that series, the Case Files series, really mapped out something that has served me so well after all of these years. So, inside of this series, if you subscribe, I hope you do. It doesn't cost you a dime to subscribe, but just please subscribe, follow, like, share this series to learn more about this process and where it can help you and help your friends out, too. Okay? So, what we're going to do over this, the span of this series is we're going to go through the idea and brainstorming phase of creating content. That's actually going to be our next show. The next one will be our pre-production and talking about serendipity. And that's got a lot of meanings in this right here. But serendipity and how things will absolutely fall into place. It is that law of attraction, the power of positive thinking, the science of getting rich, the strangest secret. All of that is personified. That'll be episode three. Never give in to the idea of limitations. You're going to work with what you got and then you're going to see how the rest will come to you. That's going to be in episode four. And then episode five. I want to talk about getting what you're doing out there for people to see, love, enjoy, or not like and be trolls or whatever. But anyway, we're going to talk about getting it out there and the strategies that go into that. 
Then, I love this part, it sounds just so salesman-like, but we're going to milk it and then give them more. We're going to find the things that pop inside of a project and really analyze it to where not in an over analytical standpoint so much as audience response and they love it and they want more and we're going to look at doing just that for the benefit of your project now the next one is going to be the best laid plans of mice and men and yes it happens things just don't work out but here's the thing do not get discouraged and i'm going to show you exactly why you shouldn't because no matter what step you take even if it happens to be off a cliff you're going to land, you're going to be fine, and you're going to be able to brush yourself off, maybe with a couple bumps, bruises, and scrapes, but you're going to be okay. And I want to show you that. Um, also, this one, and this kind of leads to that next dark moment of how all good things must end. Sort of. See, the Case file series, it went for a very short run, and it was gone. I'll explain why and how and all that came to be, but the thing is, it never really went away. It really didn't. I'm so, and that's why I'm like very excited to revisit this. And not because of what I did, not because so much of its legacy, but to be able to look back and see how what was done did inadvertently turn into a legacy by accident. But the best part about hindsight being 2020 is I can examine that now and replicate it and teach you how to do the same thing. Isn't that fun? And again, to you, my podcasting audience, this isn't going to cost you a dime. The podcast will always, forever, and ever be free. Now, if you would like to help out and, and drop a subscription in there, I would appreciate it tremendously. But it's not necessary because I just want to get you motivated and moving into what you can do to help make the world a better place because you most certainly have it in you. Now, uh, after that, we're going to do a, a starting over. This is like going back into the well, which is what this appears, and how that can be a trap in the past and you don't want to do that we know that much but there's nothing wrong with going back to a well that still has water in it that's fresh that you may not realize but you do know when to say when and also going back to the well and going back to something you had done in the past you can discover that you actually stockpiled a whole lot of information and education for your own personal library to use next and next and next plus right now so we're doing that and then we're going to be talking about how every adventure leads to another and another and another and another and another and the case files program and everything that went into it happened during it and came afterwards did just that and again it's almost formulaic but I didn't realize it at the time. I do now. And I can observe, you know, I can take everything. And this is why we're exploring this. And this is why I'm putting this out there. Because, again, it's like when you're, when you're doing things such as this, cracking the mic open, doing a podcast, I've wrestled with what am I going to talk about? What am I going to do that is going to add value to you by way of your ears? And this is, really is it. This is so serendipitous and you'll see why that word is so important soon enough but it's so serendipitous that this project is the one that is the one to really help me be able to do what I want to do to help you and to help myself too don't get me wrong I love revisiting it feels so good and sharing the memories that went into the production and all of it it was just amazing and I, that's what I'm telling you I'm giddy and excited about this and 
when it comes to this segment of the program, the Jack Entertainment Network segment of it, and the stressing of organization, see, what we're doing here is I've lined out my three big pushes of this first part. And that is, number one, I want this podcast series. This podcast series is so very important to the whole thing. Not only does it give me the opportunity to share my thoughts with you and get you fired up already and invite you to follow along in the journey because I think you're really going to enjoy it. I really do. I think you're going to take something from it. I think you're going to enjoy the stories that I tell and share. Plus, as a podcast listener, you're going to get the opportunity to see and hear things before anybody else does. Because again, once this is all wrapped up and done, it will be released in a lot of different formats and forms. There's a book, that's the second thing that's going along with this. There is a book that is going to teach this method. Best, you know, And I hope to write it well enough to where you, the reader, if you happen to be one who gets the book, will connect with me as I hope I can connect with you like I know I can through a podcast. So there's the book and it's going to be a very educational and fun book and there'll be things inside of the book that I haven't discussed on the podcast because well they don't really fit podcast format wise but they're great for the written work. Um, And also there's going to be a lot of very useful tools such as templates and I have PDF templates that you can get you by way of the ebook website will be set up all that stuff. So and other examples that will only be available through the book. And then the third leg of the element, which I wrote down as the first, but it's actually really the third, is I'm going back. I do not have my original master tapes. Uh, And that is a story in and of itself, too. But I do have the three episodes of a particular investigation, or investigations, and we'll get to that here a little bit further down the line of the show today, but that really made that program special so anyway, but i've got that and i'm going to go back in and there's some terribly tragic production problems that i get to fix now uh that i'm going to <laughs> because it's mine and i like uh like it's been said before a film is never really finished you just abandon it well i get to pick it back up now this is my george lucas moment uh with the original star wars trilogy i get to fix what i couldn't do then for various reasons um, and that's a name, too, that's going to come in very important at the end of today's show. But we'll get to all of that. Anyway, so that's the rundown of what's going to happen with this story of a ghost story series that is coming to you exclusively as a podcast listener with the Jack Entertainment Network. And I truly appreciate you. And I want to invite you now, before we move forward uh, to the next segment, to once again, please go to jackentertainment.net. Take a look around, bookmark it, go to all the Jack Entertainment Network properties of Jim's Toy Box, Halloween Quest, Paranormal Quest, Superpower Quest. Please go take a look. There might be something that you just like, you enjoy, as you didn't know you'd like or enjoy. Shop the Jack store because that's how I fund all of this stuff. And the more that you see that you like, that you love, that you say, I must have it, and you order it, and you buy it, and you get it home, uh, you help me out a lot. And if you don't see anything that you like, but you still want to support the show, the effort, and the program, There's a tip jar at the bottom of every single page because I don't want you to miss the opportunity to help out because actually, you know, in all seriousness, I know you guys are very giving folk because we all are. We all want to help out something that we feel we can. And if you can, I would appreciate it. Just click the little tip jar and uh, know that where that cash is going is going to a mission that I'm spending the rest of my life on. And I appreciate your support in doing so. Now, let's move along. 
As part of this story of a ghost story, one of the aspects that I never got to explore nearly as much as I wanted to in the original run of the Case Files program was the full extent of merchandise possibilities that I wanted to make happen. See, now, why this is in Jim's toy box? Why is it part of this particular segment and this particular Jack Entertainment outreach? And why is it part of this program? Because merchandise is so key to allowing you not only to fund projects but more importantly to allow your audience to connect deeper with your initial product okay now i'm talking to a television program which was just like a film basically but it transcends just that medium and that particular product okay we're going to go more into that as time goes on but when it comes to say you have a shoe store okay people come in they buy your shoes and that shoe was bought from you but outside of the bag of the receipt odds are they won't i mean the shoe doesn't show who you are however a shoe horn yeah people still use them a shoe horn with your logo and name on there does and that reminds them every time they use that shoe horn to put on that shoe they got it from you and it's those type of things there and that can be applied to any business now going back to this project with story of a ghost story see with the original case files program the ideas exploded as far as what i wanted to do in that vein the number one thing that i was able to do of course was dvds or were dvds i could do dvds all day long nice little case that they were in and then voila but I wanted more, and so I was able to do some merchandise, okay? So I, we'll get to that here in a second. But it was the things that I really wanted to do that people could have in their hands to play with, if you will. Um, I couldn't do it. At the time, the money wasn't there. The desktop options were far more limited, and what was available to do, we'll say, crafting-type product and projects was way too expensive to be practical. I mean, I could make something and then offer it to the audience, but, you know, I mean, the price point, just to break even, uh-uh. No, it just, it wasn't fun. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to hit people with something like that. Now, I could produce a, a DVD, and I could sell those for $9.99 and, and make a fair profit on it. I could have sold them higher, which that's another story for another episode further on in the series. But I... Uh, could sell them for 20 bucks and make a whole lot more profit but i want to do that i want to be able to connect with the audience i wanted them to be able to enjoy what they were enjoying more and i didn't want to break the bank for them in that process so that's where we were but again everything has changed over the past 14 years exponentially okay and in such it's given us the opportunity uh, as a family and as the Jack Entertainment Network to work together in making some of these things, which is really awesome because, okay, we're talking about a project 14 years ago when Alicia and I met, and now our 12-year-old daughter is going to actually help me create some of the stuff. That's awesome. The first one that we're going to be doing, and it's mainly for, for prototype pictures and just for pictures in general. I don't know how far we'll go into making them available for sale, per se. We may. I don't know. It's mainly we're having fun with this thing. And just to show you how you could do it, too, um, We're Caitlin is going to be stitching together some miniature pillows of the mascots from the show from the case files of the ogres because and that's another story we're going to get to in a few but anyway there are 
two characters that were developed for the show for the sake of production value and to be fun on screen kind of break up just the uh, you know the everybody in green light in the in the dark talking to shadows okay well anyway i created these two characters odie and zipper I'll tell you about them more here in just a minute. But anyway, but what we've done now is we are, um, I've got them ready to go. Caitlin's going to be taking the needle and thread. She's become, at 12 years old, she's become quite the seamstress, and I'm proud of that. She's always been crafty, and she likes to paint, she likes to draw, but sewing has really become a thing for her, and she has designed some really neat stuff. And as we move forward, I really am looking forward to getting her to do some tutorials and showing you her methods on things because she's very clever. I mean, yes, she's my daughter. Yes, I'm biased. But I'm telling you, you're going to see. She's very clever in what she does and very free thought in that. So, but now going into this, she's going to make these little miniature pillows of the two mascots for the ogres, Odie and Zipper. Now, quick story about how that came to be. See, now after I created the cute and catchy acronym ogres because again the show is called case files of the ozarks ghost research society well it started with actually we were at where rick was working and rick well again i'll you'll get to know everybody as we go just know rick the leader of the group rick uh worked at a flooring store that was owned by alicia's aunt and tim's aunt alicia tim cousins ricky cousin by marriage um anyway and, and so the aunt owned it anyway we were all meeting up there one night we were talking about all this very early on before it actually became a thing and as we were talking about it well you know i mean i had just moved into a gig at a television station and i didn't really want to go down the road of doing the paranormal ghosty tv stuff that's another part of the story we'll get to uh, a little later down the line but anyway but the opportunity was there and they they really enjoyed the whole paranormal thing they came up with conversation we talked about it talked about the tv shows and i could see that rick really wanted that he really really wanted that he wanted to have that experience in life to be a ghost hunter on television he enjoyed watching the shows and he wanted to do it and that kind of fueled me up there plus alicia and i were dating at the time she thought it was a neat idea so hey when the pretty girl you're dating thinks something's cool and you can do it yeah better do it and if you can't do it learn how my friends anyway but you do that and then tim uh, he and Rick had been doing the ghost hunting stuff together for a while, and he thought it was a neat idea, too, and he thought it would be fun. So we did, but I was like, well, okay, if we're going to do a television show, we got to have a name. you got to have that. It's just this, the, this, the rules, It's right? The unwritten rules of gimmicks. So kind of pondered around and thought about all the names that were out there. Like if you watch the sci-fi show Ghost Hunters, they were TAPS, whatever that stands for. I can't remember right now. But you had TAPS, and then you had, oh, good Lord, there, there, there was one for everything everybody was some were clever some were dumb whatever and anyway as pondering it and where we are um we are in the ozarks and we were looking for ghosts and we were researching for them and there was a group of people so it was a society of people so the ozarks ghost research society the ogres and bingo bango just like that we had a name and i had the opportunity to create my mickey mouse that's when Odie the Ogre was born. And Odie 
it was funny because I knew I wanted that visual on screen because number one, it would be fun. Number two, it would be an opportunity to attach a mascot to any of the endeavors that we put out. Because again, trying to think ahead of this thing before we even put it on the air, put the or shot the first frame, is I knew that merchandise was going to be important for connecting with an audience, but also to raise funds to continue to grow the property. Okay, learned that once again, George Lucas, but did that. And so I sat down with Photoshop, three pictures, Rick, Tim, Alicia, and I piddled around and I thought it would be fun since it was the trio of them. I took elements from their faces and heads and created this amalgamation that became the head of Odie the Ogre. And it worked. It really did. And uh, once you see the shows and clips and things like that, and then you look at the original Odie, and, and, and you can like do a little Where's Waldo, figure out whose part's what. Uh, it's fun. It was fun for me. Anyway, so I did that. But now in that process, uh, and as a writer, as a writer, I felt that the Odie character was great, but he was lonely and he needed a sidekick. So... I created this little ghost to go along with him. Simple, old-school, paper bag ghost, nothing too fancy, two little black eyes. And and it was fun, and they were cutesy, and cutesy is good, right? So that that was it. And then, but Odie, Odie the Ogre, hello, Peter Parker, you know, that's easy enough. Um, Clark Kent. So anyway, Odie the Ogre, that made sense, but what was I going to call the ghost? And I was kind of up in the air, and then after we did the first investigation, at the serendipity day spa when we did that they were reviewing the footage there was there was these little orbs man you've seen orbs they're the little balls of light that show up in pictures or you see them uh you know zipping across the screen and that's how it came about we were sitting there we were reviewing some footage and one shot across the hall there and i said did you see that little zipper and it stuck. And so the little ghost that was sidekick to Odie became Zipper. So Odie and Zipper were our mascots. And they were great characters to use for merchandise. You see where we're going there? It's like we started with the idea for a television show product. And we knew we needed to grow it. So then it was a matter of creating merchandise. What are you going to sell? So that's where I knew it was important to come up with the mascots. Because the mascots could then be tied into the merchandise. And it worked out. So, uh, it was great, and it was it was a lot of fun, and it also gave me an opportunity in talking with one of the local businesses here, a uh, fellow, God rest his soul, Charlie Smith, had a custom print shop, and he loved the idea of creating local television programming, because that really isn't a th wasn't a thing then, it's definitely not a thing now, but it really wasn't a thing then either in 2008. So, Charlie liked the idea, and he hopped on board. So, he actually made me a coffee mug with that had Odie and Zipper on it like for the first campaign push. And uh, it was great. And he also made some t-shirts for us to give away. And the best part about that, he was like the first sublimation shop around here. So, those shirts still look good 14 years later. I think we, Alicia and I, still have one or two around here. Maybe. Uh, I'm sure Rick's got one. Because <laughs> he really loved this thing. But anyway, so we did all that, and it was great. But I never got to explore it as far as I wanted to go. So now the toy box, we're going to start off with this first aspect of uh, these little mini pillows. And, and, and they're great. You know, you've seen them forever now, at, like, you know, for keychains and things like that. And that's what we're going to do first. Just to say we did it and then show you how we did it. And so, and that's, that's going to be fun. So, uh, but I've got some other things that are going to be great too, that I'm planting these seeds in your head to show you how you too can do this, uh, with a lot of opportunity 
to engage your audience in ways that you haven't thought about before because again I don't care what you do there's always something inside of your four walls or in your digital universe that can be transposed into a different form that will push your message further give an add value to what you're doing that won't break the bank I mean again when we get to the tutorial on how we're doing these these little mini pillows of Odie and zipper it's I mean the cost is like very low very very low we're talking like I mean all total for the ones that we're working on right now is less than 10 bucks and I'm actually being way liberal in saying that I mean it's really actually I just haven't broke down the numbers because if you go by very line item I mean we're talking about I mean this is like almost factory costed so low I mean, seriously, but we'll, we'll, we'll do that and we'll share that too. But again, the purpose and the takeaway from this segment here in regards to talking about a story of a ghost story and the things that, that you'll learn in the book and the series and the ongoing podcast is that you have the opportunity to create merchandise for your goods and services no matter what you do that gives you the opportunity to expand what you do in different ways and to a different audience and also to allow your audience and here's something that really hit me the other day when it comes to merchandise and marketing materials such as this you're giving your audience the people who really appreciate what you do the opportunity to say thank you again that's what they're doing when you buy something think about this when you purchase something for fun okay i mean not not just your regular needs and necessities but when you buy the things that are fun for you if you think about it and you get down to the root of why you opened your wallet i bet you're going to find that there is a sense of appreciation that you personally feel for that particular products maker not just the product itself, but the product's maker. And you want to reciprocate for what they've done for you, so you buy more of their stuff. So it's deeper than nostalgia. It's deeper than just, ooh, shiny. There's something there because they did something for you, so you want to continue to do something for them. And again, that's a, that's a sales thing of sorts, a mentality, if you will, a psychology of the sale. But it really does mean something. And that's, again, another reason why offering merchandise to your customers, your fans, your, your, your group members um, is so important. Because not only do you, uh, you, know, you get the opportunity to connect with them more, they get the opportunity to show their appreciation to you more. And that is what is going to be populating the Jim's Toy Box from now until forever, now that I've figured it out and understand that. So that's what's going to happen so let's uh wrap this up there i hope you took something away from that part there and understanding that merchandise is available and possible to you right there at the comforts of your own desk let alone we ain't even got into the on-demand stuff that you can do digitally now amazing absolutely amazing Continuing on with this introduction of the story of a ghost story, our Paranormal Quest segment just seems to make sense, doesn't it? Yes, it of course does, because of course this project is based around the case files of a ghost hunting society. Okay, so that's a Paranormal Quest, right? Absolutely makes sense. However, the thing is though, is without case files of the ogres, this segment and this outreach 
would not exist, period. Now, I've shared before how the paranormal has always been of an interest of mine. I mean, ever since I was teeny tiny, and then as I grew, and, and where I am now 48 years later. But now here's the thing. At one point in my life, I was over it. I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want nothing to do with it. I was over it. From like 1995 to 2004, I had been involved in a lot of projects uh, that involved the paranormal and paranormal storytelling, if you will, on radio and uh, uh, some other projects. But anyway, and, and we'll go into all that later. But the thing is, though, that I was burnt out on it. Not so much the paranormal itself, but every human being that I had been in contact with in regards to the subject matter who wanted to do things or said things or promised things, blah, and, and I was done. And I'm serious, just done, 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 done. But in a serendipitous way, as things came to be with Alicia and myself on our pers in our personal lives, and we found that we had a lot of the same interests in regards to the paranormal. And it was a great talking point. And then when she told me about her cousins and they went ghost hunting, I face palmed and sighed because I'm like, oh, good for them. Yay. Um, but as fate would have it, have it, and as serendipity happens, um, well, there it was. Uh, opportunity came. And it was funny because, again, it was just the, the process at the time. It's like, I can't make it up. It is literally, uh, the story is one that, is the ultimate example of being in tune with the frequency and the vibration that leads to the manifestation of thought. Because, again, when I got into television in 2008, that came about totally randomly and by accident. I didn't really want to do it because I never liked television. I never liked, well, I never wanted to be in television because I didn't really, everyone I'd known who had worked in or worked in television, they just were weird to me, man. They were not my kind of people. They were a little more ate up in ego than I ever cared to be. I mean, even as a as a radio disc jockey, young and flaming and on fire and loving every minute of it and doing all the stuff at the time, uh, I enjoyed the personality. I liked some of the perks that came my way. Uh, I liked a lot of the perks that came my way, let's be honest, uh, because of that pseudo-celebrity that you get in that industry at that time. But... To me, the television personalities would take it over the top. And I, I never liked that. And I never want to be a part of that. So I was reluctant. But when I met the owners of K26, Low Power Television Station in Harrison, Arkansas, um, I really liked what they were doing. They were like the ultimate underdogs, uh, the way I saw it. And I love a good underdog story. And I love a good underdog fight. And, and we just hit it off. We got along good. They were needing news product. I was not happy in my role as a news director at the radio station here. I just wasn't a good fit. And we talked and we worked out a deal and that was that. And as part of the deal, because they weren't working with very much money. I mean, seriously, if I told you, it's sad. <laughs> but it's better now for them. That's another great story. I love, I'm going to really enjoy telling you uh, in the postscript of everything. But at that time they didn't have a lot of cash to work with and I didn't care I just liked the idea of working with them I liked what they were doing it was that synergy and so I agreed to create a news product for them doing the news and that was the first time I'd ever done news on television 
So I had to like comb my hair and put on a tie. And I didn't mind ties. I didn't mind combing my hair. But to do it on camera, that was a whole different ballgame. But I did it. And I, and I enjoyed it. I really did. Uh, I won't go out of my way. Never put together an audition tape to shop around. But I did it. Anyway, um, as part of the deal and in lieu of money, I got time. And to have time for a guy such as myself, that was great because I wanted to produce some programs uh, in television land. I'd done radio forever. I loved producing radio shows. Still love producing radio shows, if you can't tell. Um, but the opportunity to do some TV, I thought, well, this would be cool. I'll do it. And I didn't know exactly what at that point, but hey, why not? Serendipitously enough, um, the opportunity started rearing its head in regards to the ghost hunting thing again again i told you guys the story about that one night well another that one day came about when i was out and about and i was actually trying to pick up some advertising sales for the television station place i, I dropped into for no real logical planned reason i just did it i was like yeah I walk in here it was the serendipity day spa there's that magic word that ties a lot of this together. Serendipity. Serendipity Day Spa, it's located, uh, it was a home, okay? It was an old home, but it was a home that had been converted into a day spa. It had been purchased by the people who had purchased a, a very a, a historic hotel downtown. And so anyway, it was like an extension of, they were really trying to go for the resort feel there, so they added a spa by way of that location. So anyway, I walked in with the intent of selling advertising just hey what do you do here you go wow this place smells like funny chemicals and women have curly hair okay but then the conversation actually opened up the manager of the place at the time liz harrell uh very interesting lady very very interesting she just she just one of those personalities that you know just we had a good conversation and there was also the receptionist there named alicia jimerson and she was a pure character. She she was just uh, in a good way, in a very a lot of color. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then as we continued to talk, uh, just about you know smelly chemicals and curls, um, Alicia was the talkative type, and this is not to be confused with my Alicia now. But they had been friends in school, so that conversation kept on rolling. And next thing you know. While we're sitting there, we start talking about ghosts. We heard, I heard something actually. I had heard something creak or stomp or bang or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was at this time. But anyway, and I said, what was that? And then Alicia said, oh, that was. And gave it a name. And I'm like, interesting. And there goes the whole shebang. It all started right there. It was serendipitous at Serendipity Day Spa and Salon. So I went back and Alicia and I met up. This again, this is when we were still dating. And I uh, told her the story of the day and how my day went. And she was like, oh my God. And uh, she started talking about the other Alicia and how they were besties back in the end. And they hadn't been, they just lost touch after a while. And so anyway, uh, but I told her about the bangs and all that. And one thing led to another. I won't draw that out too much because I could, but I won't. But it led to why don't we do this ghost show there? And that gave me an opportunity, uh, since I was going there, because again, I'll tell you, I didn't want to do it. I was done. I was burnt out. I didn't like the idea of going back down that rabbit hole and that human element of dealing with egos and personalities, especially for television. But 
I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it in a manner that is the way I want to see it. I don't want to do what everybody else has done. I don't want to just see people walking around talking to the shadows with uh, the the green uh, infrared light on them from a camera. I wanted more than that. I wanted something with substance because if we were going to do it, let's do it for real. So at that point is when I came up with the ogre's style. Okay. That was my opportunity to kind of, and, and you're going to learn this about me over the, our time together now and beyond, that I have this thing. If someone tells me you can't do it, you better have a good reason. Sell me hard, because otherwise I'm going, I'm going to prove you wrong. That's what I'm going to do. And the people that I had known who had done ghost hunting and paranormal investigations or just talked about it or whatever, they they were very rigid in their take on how things worked in that realm and i was like well you know i'll be impressed the day that someone can you know capture something be it on photo or video film audio you know uh audio whatever you capture that but then do it again because otherwise if it's just random it's just random and that that to me takes away from at that time what was my interest and hope when it came to exploring the paranormal see i didn't the one and done thing when it came to like watching the shows i loved all the shows don't get me wrong i enjoyed watching shows like sightings and then way back with in search of with leonard namoy uh all that stuff loved it loved it loved it loved it loved it but it always got on my nerves they would be one and done they'd go in pop some pictures something would happen one and done i wanted to see if it would happen again and again, the people I'd worked with prior to all this, they didn't want that because they, most people I found, and you may be one of them. And if, and if you are, I don't apologize to you. <laughs> Sorry, but one and done means I got it and I don't want anything to goof it up because think about it. If you think you've taken that video, photo, audio clip of a ghost of some sort, you don't want to open the door to the possibility of being able to debunk it. You want that little piece of Jesus's cross that you bought out of the magazine for 1999 to actually be real. You don't want anyone to actually examine it and run a, a you know a carbon dating testing and, and do anything that could disprove your belief. And I understand and I respect that and I'm totally cool with that actually. But in this instance, especially when it came to a television program, I wanted more. So again, I developed the ogre style. One location three investigations and then we're going to see how it looks and here's exactly how it worked the first inv investigation was blind there was no research or history obtained about that place didn't want nothing because i wanted the investigators now if i knew that was one thing because i wasn't investigating i was just shooting stuff for the show but for the investigators i didn't want them to know nothing i wanted to go in there like a blank slate and just see what happened okay that was it that was investigation one. Second investigation, however long it was in between. I wanted it to be kind of quick because, again, I was trying to work on a television production schedule, and you got to move kind of quick there. But no matter how long it was, the second investigation, now that one would allow for the research to be done. And that's where my issue stepped in because, again, they would take what they found, be it uh, the, the orbs or, or other things on video or pictures or audio recordings, um, and then try to research it, and then also research the history of the location, in this particular case, that house, 
that was turned into a day spa. And that way, when they went back for the second investigation, they could go back to where activity was captured and then cross-check it with things that had happened in the past. Did somebody die in the room? Um, that's kind of like the standard thing, right? Um, or was there some other type of physical um, anomaly in the past, like a fire or something that happened in a spot that has since been rebuilt? Anyway, to be able to focus in and really point the, uh, the capturing equipment there, okay? So that was the hope there. That way they were a little bit more educated in the thing. Can't try to like hone in the, the evidence collection at that point. Okay. Then along comes the third investigation. Now, by this point, we had the first investigation, collected stuff. Second investigation, doubled down. Third investigation, let's really put it to the test. Is the things that happened in the first two going to repeat? Or will they not happen at all? Or even better, would they intensify? In this instance, and all the serendipitous things happening at the Serendipity Day Spa, it all intensified. Not in a bad way, not in a spooky way. Nobody got kicked down the stairs or anything like that. That would have been kind of cool, I'll be honest with you, for TV's sake. It would have been great. Oh, I'm only... Well, no, I think I'm going to dug it. If I'd, I'd take the fall, it wouldn't bother me at all. But, in, seriously though, in this particular instance... That third investigation provided I mean, just a plethora of quote-unquote money shots that you couldn't make up. But the bigger thing was there was an element that ran through all three that I didn't catch until the end. Because I couldn't because I wasn't at the end yet. But when we got to, to the third investigation and looking at all the stuff that had been collected and verified, re-verified, didn't happen, did happen, all that. When we got to that third one. The main tie that binded it all together and gave me an incredible sense of validation was one thing that was a key component throughout all three investigations. What is that you say? I am not going to give you that spoiler. Mm -mm -mm. And it's not going to cost you a dime to learn. I'm going to actually point you to the jackentertainment.net website. And I'm going to have a button up there that you will know what it is, my, my, my podcast listener, that says a story of a ghost story. And that simple button uh, is going to be the thing that will take you directly to the YouTube uh, video. Now, mind you, that's the original one that has not been fixed as far as like the okay listen back then i was working with new budget and i can't wait to tell you that story because i'm very proud of it again i'm proud of what i did i'm not proud of some of the quality i took or the the corners i cut uh for a lot of different reasons and again later on in this series i'm gonna explain that but anyway the the overall product i'm happy with elements of the production i ain't happy with but you you know whatever but i want you can go watch it i don't want to spoil it for you because again it was so neat to me so incredibly neat because this one thing tied all three together and that's why i'm also in the process along with our story of a ghost story project series that we're working on here i'm also creating um an investigation into the paranormal journal love journals journals are important but this one uh, more than just a journal it's also going to serve as like a legacy investigative journal to where if you are of the mind to go hunting for a ghost or you live in a haunted house i'm creating this journal to help you follow that ogre's method and in data collection evidence collection um not just only for the sake of doing 
just that but something to share later on i mean think about how cool that would be if you were of the type that had parents and grandparents maybe even great-grandparents who would share the old folklore stories with you they swore were true and very well may have been um if you actually had all that written down from them maybe you do if you do bully bully to you but i'd like to see people think about doing that because again collecting those stories is collecting history and when you write them down they can't get deleted and they can't get banned you know what i'm saying and maybe even publish it later as your own book because everybody has a story to tell even the dead i've been waiting a long time to actually use that line <laughs> anyway but that's true so anyway so that's coming too but now here's the takeaway from this segment is that when it comes to the mysteries of the world they there are more opportunities there than most folks will ever realize because they gave up on mystery i know you my dear podcast listener aren't that time but you probably know someone who is or maybe you've been teetering on giving up on mystery but i assure you mysteries are out there and they're wonderful to explore because in doing that you add value to your personal life and you can take away some ideas that you can use to add value to your professional life and that my friends is another fantastic reason to go on a paranormal quest As we roll on through this story of a ghost story adding value podcast exclusive series part one this finds us inside of our halloween quest outreach by way of our pals that we mentioned before back at the toy box segment odie and zipper now since their inception i really absolutely positively fell in love with those characters again as a writer and as you writers out there know when you when you come up with a character they start to take on a life of their own. Their personalities evolve beyond your own thought that they were going to be. Or, I'm crazy. Maybe I am. I don't know, but I don't think so. I think that's kind of a standard thing for writers and creators. I mean, you, you, it, it's funny how it works out. It's like you come up with, okay, I'm going to make this character be a boy, and this boy is going to say this and have this attitude. But then as that boy starts interacting with other characters, this girl over here, things just start happening. They have conversations that you didn't see coming. Isn't that amazing? Again, if you're not a writer, start writing and you're going to see that happen to you too. I'm not kidding. Anyway, with the Odie and Zipper characters, when I first came up with them, again, my initial thought, even though I was, I mean, I was very mindful of I wanted these characters to be my Mickey Mouse. That's what I wanted because I knew I needed that tool that mascot those branding elements to be able to grow this case files of the ogres program because well you know it's like getting sponsorships for types of things like that or taboo especially in a small area here in the hills okay everybody loves it nobody's gonna pay for it with their name attached to it you know that'd be talking to the devil you know that type of thing anyway didn't care but i knew they would buy the shirt i knew that because they did but I wanted, again, them to be there, and I wanted to be a part of the show, but as the characters evolved, they started to not fit. Again, um, this show was my show. The format, the feel was my show. I didn't have to have everything dark and gloomy and scary. I didn't have to have that. Now, I didn't want to go totally silly, spooky, kooky like I do with other Halloween things that I've created and done, 
but you know there was a balance there and the Odeon zipper character started off again kind of just as you know furniture that moved a little bit and it was good because it broke it up and it made it something interesting to see on the television screen and again good for merchandise but as they evolved they started getting funnier and that was good for me but I knew it wasn't working for the show unfortunately maybe fortunately when everything came to a halt there I never had to get pushed too far in that aspect with that original Case Files program. So that comedic aspect that would have busted the timing and the feel of the Case Files programs wasn't something I had to contend with with the characters because I didn't want to soil either one. I didn't want to soil the feel, the beat, the tempo of the show, and I didn't want to soil the image and message and adventures that those characters could go on because of the other side. I didn't want that. So they just didn't matter. They looked good at the time. They worked at the time, but they had a spinoff they had to go do. And speaking of, they did do a spinoff. It was actually going to be like Ogres 2 Electric Boogaloo. Not really, no. Actually, there was a new series I was developing. That, again, is a story we're going to go more into later when it comes to talking about more about going down back into the well on things uh, and why sometimes it's a good idea, sometimes it's a bad idea. This is one of those ones that fell right in the middle of good and bad ideas. Uh, it was called Ex Explorations and Encounters, and I used Odie and Zipper in that program and it was it was totally different than the case files show it was it was a totally different well the name alone explorations and encounters um i'll talk more about that later but Odie and zipper they were able to be in this particular program they were able to be the comic relief that they had evolved into being and they were handy and they were helpful and they were good and that was great because again in going into that new program they allowed me to use a different tone and change up the game completely from where we were. Um, but anyway, you'll see more of that too as we go, because I'm going to dig those out of the archives and, and make them available in the back end of this thing as this project continues of story of a ghost story. Um, but the reason that I, I bring them into the Halloween quest aspect is they have evolved into staples of our personal Halloween traditions here at home um, because they fit. They just work. They're something that, and I'm doing it now, I guess I should just go ahead and say, with Caitlin making the pillows and then some other ideas we have, another bigger project that goes back further than Case Files of the Ogres and before I met Alicia and before I ever, where I'm roosting now, before I ever thought about coming up here. Um, it goes way, way back with a project that I created a long time ago. Uh, but anyway, they fit inside of that, and that is a 100% Halloween project that doesn't have to be the Halloween season itself, but it's its theme, and it can be play all year long, but it's Halloween all year round, which is Halloween Quest, so it all just fits. So you see, it's kind of funny how one idea can transpose into another idea or augment and make better a previous idea. So where's the lesson in this particular diatribe that I'm going for? Well, that one is neat because I get to show you how an idea from over here in the well can actually be modernized and reused, repurposed in the now and possibly tomorrow. 
So you don't have any bad ideas is what I'm saying. You just may not have good timing for it. But that doesn't mean give up on it. But it also means that a great idea of the past that was fantastic in the past may not be one to bring forward today because it ran its course. So there you go. So but in our Halloween quest, those characters, which are a big part of this whole project of story of the ghost story, they play heavily into all of this stuff. You'll see they fell into the initial concept when it came to the organization of everything. You'll see how they played in or you've seen how they played in by way of Jim's toy box because of these pillows and uh, another story I'll tell you in a second um, but so in the merchandise aspect of things and then when it comes to the paranormal quest aspect they just fit they were there they were good furniture and and of course Zipper's name came from the activity and evidence caught but here in Halloween quest the thing that's awesome about them here is with them being very well-formed characters for storytelling purposes um they are literally uh, to metaphorically speak i guess they've been sitting on the bench in my head just waiting to be called up to their queue and that's what's happening with this other project called macabre mayhem now macabre mayhem is it's another show that was developed for television a long time ago featuring characters or a character in particular that was developed even before then that I that I've used for a very long time that's evolved magnificently and I can't t wait to tell you his story but with Odie and Zipper in this Halloween quest of bringing you Halloween all year round with fun spooky kooky stuff it's just beautiful how it all fits together so the lesson and the takeaway once again is there are no bad ideas it's just a matter of particular timing and also knowing when to say when and letting go so Either way it goes, just know that in our Halloween quest, there are going to be elements from our story of a ghost story that are going to be now and new that derive from then. And there's a lot to unpack there that I think for those who are listening and paying attention, you're getting what I'm saying. And you're going to see how you may have already done something that could be transposed into something new that you had never thought of for it and now that you will forevermore because that is what adding value even in a halloween quest is all about in our superpowered quest segment and how it all relates to the story of a ghost story here's the thing i couldn't have a better example right now in your face to show you how that power of imagination, that superpower of imagination, can make so many things possible with what one normally would say is very limited resources. Be it the money, be it the equipment, be it the staff. Because honestly, in the story of a ghost story, the staff, the production crew, that was me. That was me. Um, and that's not to brag or boast, okay? Not at all. Far from it. I mean, uh-uh, no. It's just a matter of, I didn't have anybody. You know, and, and that, that transcends money, actually. It wasn't even a matter that I couldn't afford to hire someone. There was no one to hire. It just wasn't. Nobody around here was interested. Even the people at the TV station, they had their own things to do, and they weren't interested in walking around in the dark. It just was not their thing. They weren't interested in doing it, even though it benefited the on-air airwaves, but that's another conversation for later on in the series. 
but yeah, so, you know, that's the thing. It's like this entire story of a ghost story is magical, mysterious, awesome, creative, organized, motivating to me because, again, I did it. I did it. And in me doing it, I know you can do it. You might just need a little direction and maybe a little bit of a push and maybe a couple of templates along the way to help you get through seeing how much value you can add to what you do now in ways you didn't think about before because you're so busy in one spot. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to pick on you if you've got forest for the trees because forest for the trees is a very real thing and it happens. However, once you open your mind and your mindset and your perception of what can be done with far fewer resources than you originally thought, which is what I've had to do, and it was necessity dictating behavior there, okay? But you can do it too. And in doing so, you're going to find that rather it is professional, personal, emotional, spiritual, mental, whatever, the thing is, you're going to be able to do more and in turn enrich your own life. And as soon as you do that, you will by default enrich the lives of others. And that, my friends, is the solution that I stand on. Not the solution, I should say, excuse me, a solution that I see as good for all of us at times such as this. Times were just like this before, and they'll be like that again. But right now, in this particular moment here, with everything going on in the world, and in the United States of America, where I reside, and glad to be here, thankful to be here, uh, but things are broken, and it's, but you got to understand, you have a superpower inside of you called your imagination that can make so many things possible and doable and manageable and this series is all about teaching you how to do that now i went through all that in this introductory part one of our story of a ghost story so there's no real reason to go recap anything like that don't need to what i do want to do in this particular superpower quest segment is to recommend to you three things three influences of mine that up that let that influenced me up until that point of 2008 when all of the case files of the ogres opportunity happened and product created and done and put out there and has a lasting legacy to this day um, and again and i'll tell you more about that as the series progresses but three things write these names down first one is if you are interested and again i'm speaking or it seems like i'm only speaking to filmmaking because that's where I was at that time. I was really focused on wanting to do filmmaking. But the lessons that can be learned from filmmakers can apply to every single business ever. Because the root of all filmmaking and the root of all broadcasting and writing is communication. And I don't care who you are or what you do, to improve your communication skills is going to help you exponentially. So... The first book I'm going to recommend to you is one of the very first books I read on filmmaking way back. Gosh, I can't remember. It might have been 97, 98 maybe. But it was Lloyd Kaufman's Make Your Own Damn Movie. Write that down. Lloyd Kaufman's Make Your Own Damn Movie. If you're not familiar with Lloyd Kaufman, Lloyd Kaufman has created some of the most wonderful schlock films ever. Biggest one that most folks know of is The Toxic Avenger. Toxic Avenger wonderfully wonderfully horrible movie it's like the story is actually really good but just when you watch the film itself you're like oh my god this is terrible i want to poke my eyeballs out but that's the point 
of make your own damn movie because Lloyd in that book talks about he acknowledges what his films are he has no problem with it at all story is story story comes first and then when it comes to putting the moving pictures on the screen just get it in the can however you got to do it you don't have enough money to hire a, an effects department to build you a uh, prop body or head that you can then smash for the sake of absolutely horrific shock value and blood going everywhere get a watermelon put a wig on it hit it with a sledgehammer done done get it in the can make your own damn movie and that's what it's all about and that's the thing it's a resource what you can get from that book from this king of the land of trauma films and repurposing ideas and footage is that you just just do it make the movie don't worry about perfection don't go for it don't worry about it you'll grow into that you will that's a lesson that I had to learn and I relearned so many times in life. Like even this podcast right now. It's like, there are no edits, man. Before, I would have been so anal about going in, cutting out breath marks, cutting out pauses, a stutter or two. No, no, no. Just get it in the can. It's good. Not good enough. It's good. It's good. So do it. So that's the biggest takeaway that you can get from Lloyd Coffin's Make Your Own Damn Movie. Second book. This one I highly, highly, highly recommend. Again, not only if you are interested in being a filmmaker or a video content creator or whatever, um, but Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew is such a linchpin for the movement that was the films in the early 90s. Rebel Without a Crew is his production journal, basically, or his production diary, leading up to him producing his first full-length feature, El Mariachi. Now, El Mariachi spun off two sequels, one being um, Desperado with Antonio Banderas, and then the, the sequel to Desperado, which is all part of the El Mariachi tri trilogy. But uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, once again with Ant Antonio Banderas and Johnny Depp stepping in. And I love those flicks. Absolutely love them. They're spaghetti westerns that are just grindhouse type stuff. Not too terribly over the top of the grindhouse stuff, but still, they're fun. But in Rebel Without a Crew... And the making of El Mariachi, Robert Rodriguez has captured a production diary that can teach you so much about dedication to your story, to your art, to your final product that doesn't accept limitations. You will find a way. You will find a way. If you really want it, you will find a way. Not only... Just it won't just magically appear, but it seems like magic because you're working so earnestly towards the goal, and that's what he got in the process of starting to make El Mariachi. I mean, one of the biggest things most folks may probably know is that the way he funded El Mariachi and the way he wrote the script is he 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 signed up to do some like for like medical testing. So for 30 days, he got locked away in this medical testing facility. And in between getting tested for whatever they were testing him with, I don't think it was too terribly shocking. He didn't wind up with a club foot or anything. But he wrote the script to El Mariachi. And that gave him production capital to then use once he got out of there to start making the movie. And that's fantastic. It's a great story. It's a wonderful story. But also along the way, the ideas he had. In that process, and how the, and as the deals, the bigger deals started coming in, he had ideas and he jotted them down in his diary. And 
a good majority, I'd say almost 90% of the ideas he wrote down in that journal became full-on projects that you will most likely know have seen. One of the biggest ones from that was his idea for Spy Kids. And I'm sure you've heard of the Spy Kids franchise of films and everything else that was tied into Spy Kids. That's the, he wrote it down then. And then eventually it came to be as opportunities allowed him to do so. But he was already there. That's another reason why I pushed the 365 journal that I put together. Write your ideas down. Do something new every day. Learn something new every day. Revisit something you haven't done in a long time. Write it down. In doing so, you might write the next Rebel Without a Crew and map out the next 20, 30, 40 years of your life inadvertently, but it can happen. All it takes is just flexing your imagination and making some notes. You'd be amazed at what can happen. And that's why I easily recommend Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew. Look for it on Amazon or go to your favorite bookstore and have them order it for you. Whatever, just get it. It'll be good for you, not only as a filmmaker, but as anyone who wants to really dive into goal setting and accomplishment. That's about the best way I can summarize that. Third person I want to to throw into the mix is a giant influence, even more so than Lloyd and Robert, uh, goes all the way back to the earliest days of childhood. And yes, I was born in 1973, so I lived in a world before there was a Star Wars. And that world before Star Wars, I don't remember very much. I just don't. But I definitely remember Star Wars when it started and uh, where it impacted me. And it was mainly the toys first, and then the film kind of came second. But anyway... The template that George Lucas set in motion and in place has been more of an impact on me than I ever realized, except the as I got older and older and older, and I can look back. And like right now, in front of my microphone and on my wall, I have a collection of Star Wars action figures on the card. These are not vintage, no, but they look like the vintage ones. They came out a couple years ago. Uh, they're retro collection. They're, they're reproductions of the originals. Close enough, and I ain't paying a whole lot of money for those things. But I love the aesthetic to be right there in front of me because, again, inside of my subconscious, where everything was planted all those years ago that I didn't even realize was happening, was George Lucas started out, and I don't believe, I really don't, only George will know how brilliant he really was in regards to keeping the merchandising rights for the Star Wars film and of course its sequels but he did and it worked and it's a template that everyone should follow but he when I when I examine the career of George Lucas his his journey his progress his innovations to where he is today I can't help but be in awe because the reality is it all started despite what the end results were. It all started with an idea on a piece of paper. He started writing the movie he wanted to see. And I think I mentioned that at the beginning back there of how Case Files of the Ogres was that exact same thing for me. It was the television show about ghost hunting that I wanted to see. And I made it happen. I've lost sight of that over the past decade I guess in a lot of ways because you get caught up in the rat race the day to day the nine to fives <clears throat> and whatever you just get caught up and so you can lose sight of that initial inspiration that really does make changes that you want to okay if you're a shoe salesman 
Well, but you've never seen anyone sell a particular type of shoe or a particular type of shoe doesn't exist. And you think that particular type of shoe or that particular type of item for a shoe or a foot or a sock will be a great thing. It's that type of thinking that invents those things. And it all starts with an idea and a commitment to creating what you had never seen. And that's the magical part about your imagination. And that's something that George Lucas in my lifetime really grabbed a hold of and shared with all of us and we enjoyed it for a very long time i won't comment on the new stuff from disney um because it sucks but oh i commented sorry but anyway what george planted there and what he did in the world of filmmaking changed it all changed the game what he did in merchandising changed the game and it had everyone doing it to the point now where it's so commonplace you don't even see it anymore. You don't think about the innovation that it really was back there in 1977, 1978. I do. Never forgot it. And didn't even realize I was really taking some serious notes there. But again, I buy these things. Not just because of the nostalgic rush I have, the emotions that they stir in me of the memories and so on and transporting me back in time. But I also buy them as a sign of appreciation to George for what he did for me back then, for allowing me to create memories with my dad, with my friends, and playing with this stuff. My dad being able to buy them for me and make me smile and happy. My friends were being able to play along with me. and We had great adventures of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia and all that. So to buy these things to me is... And I didn't even realize it until recently that it is an expression for me to George Lucas to say thank you one more time for what he created. And that's the thing. You can do the same. No matter what you do. That effort that you exert in creating whatever it is you are doing and you share it with someone else. You're giving them the opportunity to reciprocate to you in kind because you've done something that impacted their lives in a positive manner. I can't think of a better way to spend one's life. And again, a better, a solution to the problems of today. Not the solution, but a solution. And a perspective that can make things work out so much better. So in that, I recommend to you, go back and go, you can go to YouTube nowadays and search out like some of like Empire of Dreams. It's like the George Lucas story in the making of the original Star Wars trilogy. I find it fascinating because again, inside of there, you see the young, hungry George Lucas writing down an idea for the Star Wars that turns into the biggest movie franchise in the history of forever, and no one will ever top it. I don't give, I don't care what a box office does. Nothing will have the impact of Star Wars ever. Never, 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 never. It just won't happen. Um, there may be big things that come and impacts a whole lot of people, but it will not have the same impact because George was the first. Period. But watch those. And again, those are the recommendations I make to you to continue you on your superpower quest of exploring, embracing, nurturing, and using and allowing your imagination itself to use you for a greater you and good. And now here we are, my friends. We're at the end of the show. And I thank you again for uh, joining me in this podcast, this Adding Value podcast of the Jack Entertainment Network. And this one's so super special because it is kicking off a series. And I've been wanting to do a series since I started this thing, but I didn't know what to talk about. But now I do because I'm telling you the story of a ghost story. And there's so many amazing things inside of that story that for me personally are great. And I think you're going to enjoy those stories. But there's also some amazing lessons in adding value to everything that you do through some of the things I did then that I'm now applying again now as I get to revisit and reimagine and remaster 
some of that original content. It's amazing. I, I am thrilled to be bringing this to you. I've talked to death. This is the longest podcast I've done to date. Uh, I have no regrets. I hope you have no regrets for listening. And I do hope that you come away from this with something that's inspired you to grab a hold and go with your imagination, your organization, your mystery, your magic, and go for it. Don't be afraid to dream. Write it down. Even one line can turn into a whole new kingdom for you if you're willing to write down that first line. Now, please be sure to check out the JackEntertainment.net website and check out all the Jack Entertainment properties, Jim'sToyBox.com, Paranormal.Quest, Halloween.Quest, and Superpower.Quest. Go to the Jack Shop. It's located at the top of every one of those pages. And if you see something you like, please buy it. It helps support the show, the project, the effort, and the growth of the Jack Entertainment Network. And if you don't see anything that you like right now, go down to the bottom of the screen, drop a tip in the jar. They're on all the sites, too. Why? Because... I'm not stupid. I'm going to ask you. So if you got some value and you'd like to kick in a buck, I'd appreciate it a whole lot. And it shows more than money in the bank because yeah, that's not really it. It's more about the appreciation for what I'm doing because that is how we show people we care. By dropping a buck in the jar. Or one way, anyway. And one I appreciate. Anyway, on behalf of myself, Alicia, Caitlin, and uh, that is the Jack Entertainment Network, we thank you very much for joining us on the show. Part two of the series of Story of a Ghost Stories coming to you very, very soon. And don't forget, you're going to see a lot of exclusive content because you, my dear podcast listener, are really the most important element of my outreach inside of the Jack Entertainment Network. Thank you very much, and good night, everybody. You may think I'm bastard, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm bastard, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. I used to be a goer, now I'm a little slower. But don't you ever think I'm gonna quit? I still make nifty moves when I get in the groove. I'm not as why you seldom see me sit. You might think I'm passing, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm passing, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. Might be a little fatter, but that doesn't really matter. For after all, most folks are just like me. I may have lost my hair, not that I really care. It's what I feel inside that's really me. You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet. You might think I'm over the hill. You might think I'm faster, but I'm not done yet. There's lots of living left in me still. You will never hear me sing the blues. For after all, what do I have to lose? I'm not done yet, you might think I'm over the hill. 